0: All right. How's everybody doing today? Hope you're all doing well. Let me get the camera here set. Oop. And let's move it over just a hair. There we go. All right. So, what's going on? Uh good to be back. Actually, I was a, away on a a short um vacation up north. One of the <laughs> two trips I have to take up to New Hampshire this summer. Uh, my kids go to a, a summer camp up there. So we did – well, we had my my daughter there for a week, and then my son started the following week. So we, we had a house up there, and – oh, something just moved. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, so went up for that, and then a couple weeks I go pick up my son. So we'll be back – or I'll be back up there you know, later on this well, I guess beginning next month is the end of July right now. And I gotta go beginning of August. So anyway. So finally back in the office. And um actually one of the things, you know, with it's about a six or seven hour drive, depending on traffic. Unfortunately it was like a six up and then seven back. And seven back there was a couple accidents and Sunday evening driving plus, uh, I thought a lot of times we avoid going through New York city, um, even though it's the most direct way. And I checked, checked the map and it was like, Oh yeah, five and a half. So I was like, Oh, Sunday night. And I've done it before on a Sunday night where traffic is clear. And so I decided to go through the New York city part and, uh, that was, you know, so instead of five and a half hours ended up being more the seven, probably about seven plus. Um, you know, taking taking quick breaks, stuff like that, um, getting home. But um, you know, with a drive like that, I uh, you know a lot of times I'll listen to podcasts and whatnot. But uh, I came across a book that, um, uh, well, I guess I can name drop her, Bonnie uh, Bonnie Gallum, who is a local, um, I guess, real estate attorney. She's a inter- local attorney to me. Um, deals a lot with real estate stuff. And uh, she had just, you know, I don't know if she was on vacation herself or just at home, but she had a a book called. Um, she posted one day, in like a, an Instagram story or something. But uh, you know, current book I'm reading, uh, Company of One by Paul Jarvis. I said Jenkins. I think it's Jarvis. Let's see, um, Paul Jarvis. I have it here on my phone. Here I'll show it for anybody on the video. <laughs> you can see here that was weird. Did a weird thing on the video with the phone. Anyway, but um, but yeah, but so basically, it's like talking about. It was, it was a perfect timing in in for my case because I am at the point. You know, I think in recent you know recent time here, I've been talking about expanding and you know possibly hiring people and. I did put some ads out recently uh, for some positions and or for a position, really. But let's just say I was just kind of underwhelmed in some ways and then it was one of these things where, especially with me going away, I uh, I was like, oh well, I would get emails, you know people responding to the job listings and everything and I just kind of like pushed it over to the side. And the one day I did finally like kind of go through a bunch of them and it was just a lot of, it just didn't get me like, Oh, I'm so excited to get, you know, get somebody in here and have me work. And I kind of just kind of started having second thoughts and the second thoughts come through a lot (laughs) when I start thinking about um, hiring um, somebody to help me out. And uh, sorry, there's like a, did we get um, – I don't know. There's a weird weird thing going on with the video here. Um, I don't know if the air conditioning's on above. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> 40, Forty-six-year-old, and I tend to uh, ramble a little bit or get sidetracked real quick. But the uh, – but, yeah, the um, – uh, Boy. <laughs> <laughs> problem with doing these, these lives sometimes it lost the train of thought. can't be losing the train of thought. Um, but, uh, yeah, back to, uh, to hiring it's, and I've, I've said this in conversations I've had with people is like, well, I look at the, at the hiring is just a temporary solution. I don't see it as a long term solution. So I haven't really, like I've looked at some, I kind of filtered out, you know, some people have responded. Um, you know, like let's say I had 30 plus respondents, I put it down to five. And then I was like, read, like I was reading one of them and it was like a guy who was, you know, 20 plus years experience and, you know, fit, definitely fit the bill. But on his cover his cover letter, he was, you know, going on and seemed like he had the their credentials. But then when I did the listing, I had said, you know, uh, after, you know, the first few months and with some training, I'd like the candidate to to um, you know have the ability to run jobs on themselves. And a lot of the training wasn't really like, hey, I'm going to teach you how to use this software and things like that. The training was more about, hey, here's my systems. This is how I want you to do things. And in the cover letter, the guy is saying, like, he doesn't need to be trained. He's had plenty of experience. There's no need for him to be trained. And I kind of was like, you don't need to be trained. I was like, well, I don't want you that, you know, like, it's just like, no, nah, if, if, if you got to be able to be, I guess, trainable a little bit, you know? So, I don't know, It just kind of was like, it's there, but I'm not, I'm like, I'm not like all let's get going and, and do this and, um, hire somebody and, and start jumping to, I'm just not, I'm just not a hundred percent in on that. So, um, You know, and then on the flip, then also prior to me going on vacation, I had a number of things to do, and I just was like, "All right, I got to just write this list. Here's the things I need to get done. I need to get these done by you know before I leave on Tuesday or whatever it was." And I got through a whole list. I did everything. You know, there was a few little hangups here and there, some things that I needed from um, you know engineers and that that may have not may have not gotten back to me in time to send out. But it's like, oh well, I've you know, I got through my list and, you know, I'm not, you know, and I have a lot of kind of wrote out all of, you know, current projects going on, proposals, things like that. And I'm like looking, like I have a list, there's a whiteboard right here and I have all of them here and there's 20 plus projects going on. Um, and I'm not, I don't feel overwhelmed. It was one of these things where it was like, I felt overwhelmed and then the moment I wrote everything down, I was like, okay, here's everything. These are all the issues. I have a starting point. It's like one of these things where, um, I, th- I think, um, I was actually on a call earlier today about um, uh, it was just a weekly, you know, a weekly uh, accounting group or not account accountability group, and uh, somebody had said, you know, they just randomly kind of like ask, you know, like you know, just be like, hey, Rich, what are some issues we can help you work with, you know, right now. And somebody was called upon and, you know, it was just like, actually there was two people who were called upon and and, and in the general sense, it was time management. It was like, Hey, I've got all this stuff going on. I just don't know how to prioritize or whatever it is. And I think what was happening in my case was I just needed to, like I felt overwhelmed because I didn't even realize how much stuff I had, you know, and the moment I had, like I said, I have this, this whiteboard and I just, I didn't even put, I used to use this whiteboard as a to-do list. So, you know, I would say, you know, project one, here are the things I need to do. Project two, here are the things I need to do, blah, 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 blah. Here, all I did was wrote the project. Like, so for example, I have project one here under my active projects. And, you know, when I left, um, and it's actually still in the same types. It was kind of like where it is in terms of in the, the project status, right? So I got project one that says owner review. So I've issued design drawings, sent them to the owner. They're, you know, right now they're currently looking at them, waiting for their final approval. Um, I have projects that are waiting. So I'm waiting for information from, you know, different, different things like the engineer one, I just said. So for example, I have a, here's one that, um, it's in review with the city of Philadelphia. They, they sent me comments. One of the comments is I need, there's a form that the contractor needs to fill out regarding hauling them out. It's, it's called a waste hauler form. So that's the only thing I need for that one. So I just wrote there, you know, contractor, waste hauler, waste hauler form. That's it. You know, that's kind of where I'm at. That's almost kind of like a to do list, but it's like that one, that's all I need from that. I'm already done with what I needed to do. So that one's there. Um, you know, well, I have proposals out. So proposals I've sent out, you know, which reminds me, I'm looking at it right now. I should probably put, I didn't put like the date it was sent out, but I I have them all there. And then a couple other, like either projects, like I have projects that, two projects that are started or approved to start, they haven't started yet. Like I've had one scheduled to start in August, the other one that um, is is already a go. So, um, and then a few other ones proposals in terms of I've met with them, but they haven't, um, um, a lot of times what I do with brand new clients is I, I, I lead with my fee. Um, I'm, I, it's a way I have found that helps kind of filter out some of those those potential clients, I don't want to necessarily deal with. You know, if 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 there's somebody who calls me up and they're looking for the lowest fee, I don't want to be in. I don't want to be in that in that pool of candidates to, just to say, you know. So I will. You know, somebody calls me up. Hey, I want to do such and such a project. Um, you know, I try to. I don't necessarily say first thing. Well, it's going to cost you. Blah blah blah. Because I do. There is a period of like collecting time um but i like to at least try to before that before that call ends that initial call ends i want to give them a number in some regards sometimes and sometimes i will have to say there are situations where i'm like it's tough for me to give them a number and then but usually in s- some situations when it's even tough to do that i'll give them a higher number and then i can come down if once i get more information or there are some scenarios where i'm like you no know, i need to see i need to come to the building i need to you know do a b and c or you need to provide this information and i can come to it but a lot of times i can especially on the residential side on the residential side i've got a sales sheet you know i give i get i give the number it's usually the, pretty much the same number because it's usually the same type of service, um, big or small project for the most part. Um, but um, but yeah, so I'll give that number, and then there's some people, and sometimes that's that's that situation can also be done via email. Like somebody fills out the contact form in my website, um, and uh, I'll give them a number, but then they'll be like, oh, well, let me think about it, you know, but they're not ready for me to write up a proposal yet. So I have another scenario where it's kind of those projects that are just kind of like waiting, you know, there's a, a good chance they'll they'll move forward, but they haven't told me to, um, you know, go forward a proposal. So that's kind of the, the categories of my whiteboard. Oh, actually, the, the last and probably most important, and I do have to update it, is I I've also have a note at the bottom. It says next available time for me that i'm available to start a project which i need to adjust because it's august 2nd and i somebody's taken that slot (laughs) so i need to go um, actually probably more like september 2nd or even october 2nd right now um so those are kind of uh what i have up here and i think you know again being um in the you know in kind of that realm of uh overwhelmed uh, like I said this list here now that I have everything in front of me is it's much easier for me to now kind of deal with <laughs> everything Because I, again I see everything there I can kind. Of, it's like I can kind of formulate the plan I took the first step and formulated the plan you know so um, and with that being said it's like the you know, again, going back to that, I, you know, the idea of like, well, I need to, I need to grow. I need to, um, you know, hire people, things like that. It's funny because this book, again, to go back to this book, company one just came across at the perfect time because I started, I probably about, um, I guess, audiobook wise, maybe it's about, um, let me see. Let me actually pull it back up here. Cause I think it's still on my phone. It is, let's see. So it, it looks like it's probably about, well, I have about four hours left. Where am I at in terms of chapters? Yeah, I'm probably about, you know, so maybe it's about a seven to eight hour audiobook, you know, because I'm, well, no, it says three, yeah, let's just say, let's say eight hours, because I'm looking at the, oh no, that's not the, you know when i'm looking at the chapters i am okay there's three parts um yeah i'm heck i'm right in the middle <laughs> i'm in the middle chapter of the second part and there's three total parts so yeah so i'm probably about halfway through it um yeah so it's about a 7 hour um audiobook immediately on my drive home, I had to switch from listening to that to just doing a comedy podcast or something on a lot long drive, you know, your, your mind kind of wanders that type of stuff. So I was finding, I was kind of losing, not losing interest, but, you know, well, you know, losing, I guess, focus, listening to that. So I went to something else, but anyway. Um, but one of the things that was, you know, there's, there's actually a number of things that, um, already some great points and i've gotten i'm probably going to i'm planning not probably i'm planning on doing some follow up episodes once i finish that book and um mm-hmm. we'll get more into that it, it probably will be you know in the next few weeks here i'll probably touch on it but um but but one of the things that was discussed in there and it was was the topic about um your passion and What he he had um, spoke about in in the book was a lot of times with passion. What did he say? I wrote that. Hold on, let me find the quote here. Uh, And this is kind of uh, it's probably not a direct quote, but this is my note. What I wrote and it says that passion is whimsical and can lead to failure. And one of the one of the examples he was given is that a lot of people, you know, we and there was I think there was a college study or something. And it was like, well, what's, you know, about kind of like what people were passionate about. And, you know, what they were, what the, whatever the study was found that, you know, it was like things like sports, music, entertainment, you know, things, you know, that people were ba- wanted to be passionate about. So if you are a, you know, um, you know, you're a kid growing up and you want to be an NBA player, or play, you know, play in the NFL you know, be a hockey goalie, whatever, you know, you know, when you, you want to be a professional athlete, um, that is a type of, uh, business decision, I guess, but, or, but that's like, you know, you're basically leading with your passion and you could say in, in my case, you know, my passion is architecture. Um, but when it comes to, and the quote or, you know, the note at least that I wrote here is related more to, you know, to business. You know, so it's more, it's less about your passion when, let me, let me, I'll put it this way. The, it's more about running a successful business, a, su- a successful and sustainable business. Because, you know, according, well, according to this, you don't know, I'm telling you. Um, according to the book, he's saying that, The, if you, if you start a business because your passion is architecture in my case, or let's just put it, let's simplify it. Let's say, um, you know, you're passionate about baking, right? Making cookies or something like that. Um, you know, it's great and all, you know, everybody's going to want to eat cookies, but is it, you know, you see, you see. Anywhere you live, you 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 can probably find this example, um, and we'll keep it with food. Where, you know, the town you live in, the new restaurant opens or the new bakery with the great, you know, cookies or donuts or whatever. And the day it opens, you know, the town comes by the mayor, they do the 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 ribbon cutting, and everybody's there, and it's you know really great. And you know, for the first couple years, let's just say, or first year, or whatever. You know, business is coming in because it's a new thing. People are checking it out, you know, but then after a period of time, that kind of the newness of it wears off. And then in town, uh, another restaurant opens up and same same thing. You know, there's kind of a cycle. Um, so the you know, so and I'm sure you know, business owners of, of that, somebody's oh, I anybody opening up a restaurant is gonna be, has to be passionate about food and all of that. Um, that's a tough, I, that is a real tough industry in, in my opinion. And, you know, I think the example I'm giving you is, is one of the reasons why is like, you know, what happens after you just like, you're there, you know? And then the new one opens, cause you know, people are like looking for something new when it comes to food. So what's, I guess, what's, you know, what's the secret sauce? in in this case, try to keep a, uh, keep the, you know, kind of the food thing going on here, uh, in terms of like, you know, how do you keep it sustainable, keep it around. And one of the things in this book that's mentioned is like, it's like, well, when it comes to business again, just because a restaurant owner or an architect is passionate about that type of business or that industry doesn't mean you're going to be sticking around. You know, I can be the best architect there is and be really passionate about it and, you know, talk your ear off about, you know, wonderful designs or, you know, sustainable green, you know, solutions to to the, you know, the problem that your heating bill is up, whatever, you know, can be whatever topic. Um, But if I'm not. If I'm not solving problems for the market, then that that passion is just gonna like, you know, it's almost just like if if somebody's coming to me as an architect or some or I heck, I just I just said it about restaurant owners that yeah, of course they're passionate about food, you know. If they're not passionate about food, that's even that, that's a that's a recipe <laughs> a recipe for disaster right there. But you know, but that's just assumed that you know if I'm an architect and somebody's like wants to hire me as an architect, they're going to assume that I'm into that. I mean, I do have to kind of like laugh to myself sometimes because I have had you know uh, clients or potential clients you know just go off like they may like the George Costanza from Seinfeld type thing kind of comes into play there. Um, and people bring that up in like networking events and things like that. But it's just like, there may be, uh, you know, like an architectural style, whether it's modern Dor- or whatever, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the architectural style is, but you know, they may be inter- in- interested in it. Uh, maybe they saw a show or something and they'll just kind of go on and on about that. And, you know, and I know it's stuff, but it's funny. Cause it's like, the most I ever knew about different styles and arts and things like that was when I took classes in in college. And it's, uh, I mean, again, I still, I have that basic knowledge, but, um, it's not necessarily like (laughs) I'm like, you know, like what interests me the most about, um, architecture, like, you know, but anyway, I think I'm a little sidetracked there. Um, but um, let me actually take a quick break here, and uh, I will be right back. So, yeah. Uh, let me actually grab a little bit of water here. So yeah, the um, yeah back to the 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 um, passion. You know, so that again, that's a given. You know, but if you look at you know whatever your business may be. And you can solve a problem. That's that's so that's a sustain. I'll say a, a you know staying power, sustainable attitude to have in your business. So, um, and the thing is, in, in the book, and they were giving examples. Uh, there was the one woman, uh, Barbara. I forget Barbara's her last name, but she's in uh, one of one of the women from uh, Shark Tank. She he was quoting her. And it was like saying that you create it. Um, and This is so secondhand. <laughs> I did not write any notes on this. It just kind of came back, back to me. But um, it was one of these things where she was saying that this, this, this was a concept that helped her like recognize, you know, people who came on a shark tank um, and could be a good investment for her was that starting a business by identifying a problem that needs to be solved, you know? So, um, you know, again, let's just say, let's go, let's, let's keep it as a restaurant example. The, uh, cause I kind of want to end more with, with, Hey, well, what am I doing now type thing? But, um, the restaurant example would be, um, saying the you know, somebody wants to open a restaurant. And um, let me let – me, well, you know what? Let me – I'll, I'll kind of give you a real-world example in a way. My one client who opened a restaurant here in town, it's a wood-fired pizza oven um, restaurant. And shout-out to Julian and Kristen. They have a very uh, – the restaurant's called Grindstone. It's actually doing very, very well, especially even, you know, came through the pandemic and all that. They opened – I think the the winter of 2019. So you know, dealing with a lot of stuff, but they're still you know still around and you know they're doing well. Um, but they opened essentially a wood fire pizza oven. Now, in Art, the town we have, it's kind of it's like we're in South Jersey. It's not really the culinary capital of anything. <laughs> Uh, even though we're the we are the garden state, and this is probably a portion of the state that is the reason why we're called the garden state. There's a lot of farms actually around here if you're not familiar with, with Jersey at all. Uh, very different than what kind of stereotypical along I 95 corridor near New York, you know, people would think like the Sopranos, stuff like that. Um, but, uh, or Jersey Shore. <laughs> but the, uh, but yeah, they, um, you know, so they opened up this pizza place. Now, we have in our town countless number of pizza places. You know, take out pizza, you can get wings and cheese steaks and hamburgers and salads. You know, just kind of like, you know, I don't know. There's probably five or six, maybe even more, probably more than that to be quite honest. But I could probably think quickly like five or six that we, you know, my family, we order from here and there. They're, heck, there's... The one we go, I go to all the time because it's a block away from my office. And half the half the time during the week, when I'm like, you know, it's lunchtime, but I'm looking down the clock. I'm like, oh crap, it's three o'clock. I haven't had lunch yet. I go to that pizza place because it's a block it's a block away, you know, from me. And um, funny side note, and they're not they were the man. uh, There was a husband and wife team who were the managers at that. They they actually just kind of retired. And they got themselves, they sold their house and got an RV and they're like driving around the country now. But they had a few years ago, I've gone in so much, you know, we had ended up talking and, you know, they were, you know, you know, 12 miles on architect, stuff like that. And then they, uh, then one day came in and they were like, Hey, you know, you're an architect. We have a project at our house. Uh, we want to renovate the kitchen. There was, you know, a number of other things they wanted to do with the house. So they were like, we don't know another architect would you be interested in project i was like yeah hey, absolutely so i ended up getting a project like you know just going to the pizza place two three times a week led to me getting a project um so i figured i'd just add that in there a little bit as a, a little side story um you know especially for anybody out there who you know is a uh, like maybe a younger architect or that because there's a lot of questions i get You know, or I see, or what, whatnot. Of like, hey, how do you get your clients? And that's just, hey, I just went to went to the same, uh, you know, restaurant consistently, and then, you know, you know, established a little bit of a relationship with with the managers of the of the place, and led to a project. But anyway, um, so back to my other client with who has the rest, who has the um, the wood fire pizza, is. I, th- I think on the surface you could be like, well, there's – let's just say there's 15 other pizza places in this town already. Why would you want to open up another one? Well, they saw it and they were like, well, all these other pizza places, they're all takeout. And um, they they were like, well, this is – a different type of pizza and it's funny because when they first opened i think there was a little bit of pushback because people were thinking hey it's a new pizza place i want to get takeout they weren't doing takeout because if you ever had like these types of pizzas they just don't work in a box you know you don't put you don't put this type of pizza in a box um actually i was talking to their chef the one day about it and he was saying how like the steam just kind of just ruins the pizza you know no, it is made to get put onto a plate and brought to your table, and for you to eat. Eat it right there, and they're they're great. You know, um, the vodka pizza is the best. Oh, I just I had it a few weeks ago. It's great, but um, but yeah, the uh, the you know, so so they looked at that and said, hey, this is something that this town doesn't have this is something that's completely different, you know completely different than than what's being offered here so they kind of they kind of identified a a uh, you know something that's not not in in the local area and they're doing great i mean heck they've expanded it or or what i mean they bought the property next door now they have a gelato and coffee bar and that's again that's again that's not something that this town has i mean there's ice cream places um but they don't you know And it's real. It's, it's the real gelato. I mean, I would, I know that there's like water ice places and things around here that say they have gelato. All that is, is water ice and self soft serve ice cream mixed together. No, this is like a real deal. Like, I think if I remember correctly, talking to the one owner, he was telling me that they had gelato makers come in. He had a day where they were like testing who the, you know, for who they were going to buy from. And there were literally the guy who got the contract was this like old Italian guy, you know, who grew up in Italy who still makes it, you know. So I don't know if that's who they still use or if it's somebody else or, or what. But because um, I know they had gelato for just their restaurant as the dessert and then they kind of expanded into this more, this gelato bar. So it might not be this, you know, same person. I'm, I'm not sure exactly. But but still, in both cases, you know, whether for the pizza or the gelato and coffee bar, they looked at the, looked at the area and they were like, these things are not around here. And we, I don't have to go into all those specifics of the town, but there's a lot of like, it's like, if you want to go, like, just, just think of bigger chain restaurants. Like, um, let me try to think of one. Well, there is an Applebee's in town. Um, but just kind of these like strip, not strip mall, but, um, You know, I'm going to call them mall type areas, you know, big commercial areas where there's a big, oh, well, there's one, what is it? Like a Texas Roadhouse and uh, a Chipotle and uh, Buffalo Wild Wings, you know, a place like that where they have a bunch of that stuff. There's a lot of places to eat that you, you go to the other towns to go to it. And here in our town, there's, like I said, there's a bunch of pizza places uh a pretty decent Italian restaurant but there's not a lot of there's not a lot of things around here and I don't need to really get into why um that could be a whole other episode about land development and environmental <laughs> development things like that but um, but yeah but there's really there's not a lot of ton of things here in town so um it's it's an, it, it's a it's an interesting. Example because they actually – the food items in terms of pizza, there's already – like I said, there was plenty of pizza but they brought it in a different way and they don't just make pizza in there. There's – they have these great like Brussels sprout – this Brussels sprout dish. Um, the fries are – they have fries. They make – um, um oh, what are those – there's like the cheese boards. Character, they're not character boards. But they're like meat and cheese boards uh, you know they have a, like a really a lot of great um great dishes on their menu and um but it's like you go over there on the weekend and it's just like they don't take for reservations that's another great i think that's a really great uh approach too because when you go over there it's almost like it's almost like uh if you drive by and you see all these people you're like oh hey, what's going on what's going on it's like, it becomes even like more of an interest, more of a draw. Um, and the other great thing, it's one of these like real estate things of location, 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 They're right across the street from one of my other clients who has a brewery. <laughs> so it's a really great little like corner. You got a brewery, you got the restaurant, you got the gelato and coffee bar all right there. So people, a lot of times what people will do, um, it's kind of a win-win for everybody, um, is. They'll go, like, let's say somebody, you know, I take my wife, we go there on a Saturday night. You know, they don't take reservations, but they're, you know, you're like, hey, you know, we'd like to have a table. Well, you know, you got to wait for another, an hour, an hour or so, 45 minutes. So I think they'll take your phone and they'll text you. Everybody goes across the street to the brewery, has a drink. It's like the brewery became the bar (laughs) for the restaurant, Um, you know, because it's kind of like a BYOB type deal. Um, and then a lot of times people will get like a growler from the brewery and bring that over and that'll be their drinks, you know, for, for the restaurant. So it's, it's kind of a win-win in that case too. So, um, but yeah, but it's, it's just like, again, you go there on the weekends, and it's just like, you know, there's a lot of people just in that one, that one little area. Um, and, and the hope is, is actually, it's a kind of a developing main street, you know, a lot of old buildings that are, not necessarily empty, but I think there's been um, development over the years. Has kind of gone in the wrong direction. Um, you know, it's kind of it was kind of like a very old main street where you know you had commercial spaces first floor, some apartments upstairs, but they kind of went all residential in a way. So you know, we'll see where that goes. Um, but um, but yeah, it was a good start. But yeah, but good. But but again. There was a problem. There was a problem, not necessarily a problem in this case, but let's just say there was a problem, um, and they had a solution. Let's just say, in in their case, it was a there was something missing, and they filled that void. You know, so, um, and I can tell you what is that, as because I've you know going back, obviously I've gone back there to eat and that and. And you know, talking with the owners, you know, there are, you know, they have ideas for for d- different things in the future. And, you know, you can see that it's like, well, there was a I guess that, you know, I mean, there was a passion for for having the restaurant, but it's like now that they're open, now they have that, there's more and more things that they want to keep on, they want to grow. And I think they're, you know, they're a restaurant, it's a, it's a little bit different. Than what I'm dealing with, but still, they're they're kind of taking these steps. They're seeing seeing these problems, solving those problems, and creating. And and basically, it's like you create the problem, you you solve that problem, and then your passion. Basically, your passion follows the solution. Once you get that solution, then you develop a passion. And I can kind of like, I think in their case, i I can see that. So. Now, let me flip it back to what I'm dealing with and I'm realizing that, um, you know, just to kind of go back with the history of the last uh, 11 years or whatever I've had of my business was I actually started the business as a necessity. I wasn't necessary. Like it was like 08, 09, the economy was you know, there wasn't any jobs out there. And I was like, well, if I start my own company, I can still do what, you know, I could still be an architect, you know, because if I didn't start my company and I was going to be looking for a job, I could, you know, that would have, I could have been doing, you know, I could be doing something else right now. But, you know, that's that's why I started, um, you know, the main driving point of starting my company back then, you know. And as I started getting, started getting clients and things like that, I was trying to start thinking, I'm like, well, what's really my, where, where's my selling point here? And I really like was looking at efficiency as my big selling point. And I was realizing nobody really cared <laughs> about that. Because, And I was, I think one of the problems early on when I was selling or whatever, you know, kind of in marketing mode, I would be like, well, oh, I'm, really, I'm, you know, I'm an efficient and here's, and I, it was almost just like, Open book here. Here's let's look under the hood right away. This is how I'm efficient. And people are like, Okay, can we still hire you? (laughs) You know, and starting out, you know, I probably had a lot of people who who hired me because starting out and that's the cheapest option. You know, let's be honest, you know, (laughs) so, um, you know, so it's like, so now. I'm noticing. I'm like, okay. Well, I never really, well, first off, I never really started with the passion. Again, it was a necessity. But the, you know, now and this, now where I'm at is like, I'm like, well, what is that passion? You know, moving forward, um, or am I, am I, I mean, thinking ahead again? And should i be you know let's just kind of take a few steps back and say what is the solution i'm trying to i'm trying uh, what is the problem that my uh, so uh, there's a solution that i can provide to the market you know like right now it's um i will say like looking i'll say locally like in my immediate area you know one thing i've i've identified is there's not a lot of architects around here. There isn't in my town. I can name two other firms and one is a, is is a firm that's probably been around here for 30 plus years. They kind of specialize in like municipal work, which I don't necessarily have a lot of interest in doing. So, you know, there's, I mean, there's, I don't see them as competitors, you know, they're just, you know, there's an architecture firm, you know, I think it's like two guys and they're down the street. I mean, I remember when I set up my office here in town, I, I called them up, just be like, Hey, I'm just down the street. I'm literally like a few blocks away from them. And they just kind of gave me a cold response, you know, whatever. And, but I don't see them as a direct competitor to me. Um, and then there's another, another firm who's actually more of a land surveyor but they like, you go by and it's just like land surveying is the first thing. And then it says architecture under it. And I think a lot of people, and I've seen the guy's truck around, but again, it's like kind of more pushed as a land surveyor. So again, I don't really see that as any big, um, you know, competition. So there, in my opinion, what I provide, there's nobody here that provides that. So number one, boom, I'm filling a void. <laughs> um, And then the other thing I realized was, you know, like I said, actually in both cases, they probably both have been, they probably work together. You know, if the guy is a land surveyor and this other firm is is essentially the architect, you know, let's just say I don't, the land survey, I don't know how long it's been around, but I get an impression. Let's just say that they're the 30 plus years as well, is that you go online, like the architect down the road, they don't have a website at all. And the other, guy, the other, the Land guy, their website is like, looks like it, it was like a pay, uh, a, 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 it's like a front page, like built back in the 90s. It, you know, it's just a dated website. So I, I kind of um, like whether it's my, my website form or when somebody calls, I always ask, you know, the website form says, hey, how did you hear about us? Or, and, you know, but if somebody calls, I ask them. And um, it's just like you know, resound. People are like, I just searched you on Google, and you were the only one that came up, or you were the first one that came up, you know, because some people are not not necessarily right here in my town, but you know, they're in a town over or something like that. So I'm just getting, you know, I just I found that when it comes to this residential work, you know, people are coming to me because there's nobody else to go to, in, in a way. So. You know i'm i'm I, i'm solving you know i'm solving a problem in that way, way um but you know so so and i mean there's some other issues because i'm realizing okay well there's there's a there's the the commodity part of that where it's just like you know you know some people are coming to me because i'm the only one and you know they're just like well we need an architect we've never done this before great let me you know let me you know, kind of educate you a little bit on the process and, and how I work. And, um, you know, let's, let's go from there. And, you know, I've just realized that I think the struggles that I would, you know, been having recently, the reason why I thought I had to grow things like that was that. And then the uneasiness, like very similar to when I was talking earlier about, um, my projects and writing the project list on my whiteboard here. The realizing that like right now I can't say like, I'm not, I I guess I'm not to the point yet where I found what that passion is. And it's funny to say, you know, like here I am 11 years later and it's still not there, but knowing that I haven't reached that point, is kind of helping me kind of figure out this other stuff. And, um, and I feel like someday that'll come, but for now it's just like just identifying, okay, well, what are the, what are the, the solutions that I can provide to solve the problem that people are having when it comes to, um, architecture building all that stuff. So, um, again, I mentioned earlier, you know, this is a more of a developing kind of. <laughs> here's my therapy session, <laughs> um, but no, it's, this is a, I'm kind of developing my thoughts here. And uh, again, the the book that I, that I am well, I'm listening to, I guess, is called again is called Company of One by Paul Jarvis. And I'm definitely going to. I have some other. Um, I did just kind of talk about problem solving. There's three other, three other uh, categories, I guess you could say, when it comes to a company one, um, that I want to cover. Um, but um, I'm going to look. Well, you know what? I'm, you know, I'm gonna just wrap this up. But I will say that um, I, you know, this may change a little bit because again, I'm like halfway through. But I'd like to. In the near future, here not necessarily do this format, but I'd like to have um, uh, p- potentially have others join me with a roundtable discussion, or maybe a one-on-one centered around one of these specific topics. And uh, you know, and preferably, um, you know, somebody who's a company one, but a company. Here's the other thing, and that I want to want to do here before I um, um, finish up is company of one doesn't necessarily mean somebody who works by themselves, like a sole practitioner or something like that. The book is great because it talks about you know you could be in a you could work for a company of you know 100 plus people, but you could still act as a company of one, which is so I had this thought back when I used to you know last time I had a job, back in like 08, when I worked for this architecture firm, 150 people, whatever it was, and I'm in there and I was thinking that back then. I remember thinking, I'm like, well, shouldn't we all just be free agents? Like I, back then my thought was we're all free agents, but the concepts that are covered in this book of company one can also pertain to somebody who works in a bigger company, um, you know, because they're, 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 there, there's managing techniques, there's, you know, that, that, that are in there, um, you know, different ways you can handle yourself in a day-to-day task. I really like, um, some of the, some of the things that he was talking about when it comes to efficiency in your day-to-day, like when it comes to bigger companies, there tends to be this thing where you need to have all these meetings and stuff. And let's just say you're let's say you're a project manager and you have like you you know a team of four to ten people, whatever it is, and that when it comes to managing time for people on your team, each of them should be dealt with as their own separate company. So like if I outsource to somebody, I hire them like, hey, I'm outsourcing you to do such and such a task and I need this done. You know, let's say, you know, today's Wednesday and I need it done by next Tuesday. I'm not necessarily going to check on it, check in on them on every hour, you know. So why do you check in? Like, what, if you work in a company and you're managing people, why would you, ch- you know, go over to this person's desk every hour to check on them? No, you leave them alone. Let them let them do the task, you know. So those are kind of concepts they talk about in the book too that are, that I think are really great. So so it doesn't just mean somebody who is a sole practitioner in this case. So really great book. I it, I highly recommend it. I'll throw it in the show notes. Um, And uh, yeah, we'll leave it at that. So um, I actually have another, I have a a guest I have lined up. I will be recording them tomorrow tomorrow, um, and uh, probably putting that out. But then after that one, the following week, you know, maybe I I might be diving into, into this a little bit more. So hope everybody's doing good. And until next time, Rich the Architect signing out. See ya.